welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is September 18th, 2019, and I'm coming to you from Washington, D.C., Well, we had the opportunity to sit down with Nicholas Osorio, and Nicholas is one of the three lead pastors of Renasar Iglesia Baptiste in Bogota, Colombia. And we had the opportunity a month and a half ago to be able to go to Colombia and to partner with Nicholas and the other pastors in putting on uh, an awesome conference for pastors and church leaders within Bogota to encourage and equip them to care for orphans and widows in distress. And Nicholas and his sweet wife have two sons, and I know that you will be blessed to hear from Nicholas Osorio. But before we do, we understand that the learning and education process can be frustrating for families, especially those who've brought children home through adoption or foster care. Out of that awareness, we developed Bridge Educational Services as a resource to help bridge the gap from frustration to hope. Our goal is to equip, strengthen, and shepherd families and children who struggle academically, emotionally, and relationally. We desire to be a guide to families that may have children who struggle with processing speed, working memory, visual and auditory processing, sensory processing, or a disability. Our services assist families with educational support, cognitive development screenings, skill development, and tutoring. We also have families uh, help families navigate the school system and understand an IEP or a 504 plan. We're excited to offer these new services as a part of our commitment to supporting families throughout their entire adoption and care journey. And so for more information or how to get these services brought to your your family or your community, you can visit lifelinechild.org backslash bridge. And again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash bridge, B-R-I-D-G-E, to get engaged with Ann Mara Hinton or Dr. Rick and learn how you can be helped by these bridge educational services. Well, recently I had the opportunity to come here to Bogota, Colombia, to be a part of the second annual conference called The Church, The Mission, The Orphan, and The Vulnerable. And it is a part of Renesire Iglesia Baptiste here in Bogota. And so today we are just privileged to be with Nicholas Osario, one of the pastors here at Renesire. And the neat thing about Nicholas, as we are going to learn more even as we talk, is that Nicholas and his family have actually been connected loosely with Lifeline for many years uh, through their involvement through Wells Global Ministry. So Nicholas, thank you for being here. And first, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Thank you, Herbie. Thank you for having me. And uh, well, I'm a pastor here in Renacer uh, since, well, seven years ago. Uh, um, I serve with my wife, I have two kids, and yeah, this church has been like for 25 years, it is five, 25 years old, but I've been pastor here for seven years. That's awesome. And so tell us about your wife. You have a wife and two boys. Yeah, my wife Juanita. Uh, we have, uh, well, the oldest kid is uh, two years old, his name is Jacobo, and um, the other one, is his, his name is Thomas, his name is, he's, he's nine months old. And so talk about Renacer and the church, because you have a lot of history here. Like you said, you've been here 
for 25 years, but you've been pastoring for seven. Talk about how the church began and how your family was instrumental in that. Yeah, well, my dad planted the church. Um, he was a fundamentalist, so he didn't have other pastors around him. Uh, he didn't uh, like have that conviction of plurality. Uh, Later, uh, we moved to a bigger place, so the church started to, to grow. And uh, there, my father said, okay, told, he told me, I was studying at Moody Bible Institute, I was doing a bachelor degree in Bible, and he told me, okay, do you want to be another pastor here? Yeah, I, I, I can do that. And um, we were pastors there, then we ordained a third pastor, and he retired. So I was pastoring with him, with my father, for two years, then he retired, and then we were two other pastors, and now we are three in total. Yeah, That's awesome, and, and that's one of the great things that I love about Renaissance is the plurality of the pastorate. Talk about why that's so important, and how really you've seen the depth of the church grow. Oh yeah, I think it is important because if there is only one pastor, um, the, the, I think the, the church is weak. I mean, uh, if that pastor falls, the church will fall with him. Um, plurality, a plurality of pastors or elders uh, give you wisdom, give you uh, accountability, give you the, the opportunity to um, have a, a, like w wise decisions, not just from one person, but from a group of elders uh, trained in the Bible. So I think it's a blessing for the church. And Lifeline actually was introduced to Renaissance by Oscar and Beth Perez, who live and work here in Bogota for Lifeline. And it just so happened that the Lord led them to this church two years ago to start attending as a new, newly married family. And through that, started talking to you about the work they did with orphans and, and vulnerable children. And you and I got to meet a little over a year ago, and then we, we discovered that you had this connection with Wells Goble Ministry, which if many of our listeners don't know, Wells Goble was the founder of Lifeline in 1981. Talk about that partnership and just growing up with Wells Goble Ministry. Yeah, uh, well, Jay Jackson, uh, that is the president, I think, of, the, of Wells Goble Ministry, he came to Colombia and some guy pre uh, introduced him to my dad. My dad was pastor there in that time uh, alone. He was the only pastor at church. And it was precisely because uh, the, the, the topic of plurality in leadership that uh, Jay Jackson wanted to be involved in our church. He met my dad and he told him, you need more pastors in your church and you need expository preaching. So Jay Jackson started to come once a year to teach expository preaching and to teach a little bit of ecclesiology to my dad. And that's how they met and that's how uh, like we had this connection with Wells Gobble. Later, my dad went to the US, he started to to plan if maybe uh, he wanted to be part of Wells Gobble, but at the end he, that, did, that didn't happen. But that was like the initial plan. Yeah. And Renaissance now is, is a part of a connection, a group of many different churches all throughout Bogota and really all throughout Colombia. Talk about just the state of the church today in Colombia. Yeah, well, we, as I see it, we have like two um, extremes. Uh, well, in, in one, one part we have the charismatic church that is like no gospel, no 
Bible, just emotions, prosperity gospel. But there is the, uh, this other wing, Reformed Church, uh, that they are very liturgic and things like if you don't confess the uh, London Confession, Baptist Confession of Faith, you are not Reformed, things like that. So we are like, like in the middle. So we are trying to find churches like us. Um, and uh, it's very hard to find unity in the church here because of that. You know, you don't uh, fit in any, if you don't fit in any of those wings, then you, you won't fit with other churches. So you need to find friends. Mm -hmm. So now we have this uh, ministry called uh, Renace Bogotá, and it is like an, in, an initiative to find pastors who want to uh, have a brotherhood of pastors to, to um, yeah, have fellowship between churches. Yeah, and I know for so many years, the predominant religion really of Colombia has been Catholicism. Yeah. Uh, but there has been a resurgence of evangelicalism and the church, and the church has grown. And, and because of that, we're starting to see opportunities for the evangelical church mm -hmm. to get more engaged with orphans and widows. And so this, this conference, even that we're a part of now, is important to, to first gather many churches together around this, but then specifically through this weekend to come here to the local church to talk about how to respond. Why do you think it's so important for the church to be engaged with caring for orphans? Yeah, I don't think it is a ministry of pastors, you know, because some pastors, I mean, some pastors could hear about uh, uh, orphan care and would say, okay, I, I want to do that, but um, that's not the ministry of pastors. It is the ministry of the church. God called the church to do that. So why do we need a conference like this? We need it because we need our members to be convinced of that ministry. Uh, we don't want just our pastors or the leaders of the church to say, okay, we want to, to, to do that. Uh, we need our, all our members to, to say that's our ministry. So I think this kind of conferences is what every local church should do. Uh, in their local uh, area, uh, trying to convince their own members to 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 uh, take care of orphans and uh, the vulnerable. Yeah. And what, you, as a pastor here at Renaissance, what has been this local church's response to this conference? I know this is the second year. Yeah. Last year, I had the privilege of having my entire family, and this year we have even a plurality of speakers. Where it's just not me from the United States. We've brought Dr. Rick and um, and Drew and myself, and then of course you and Hanar and Christian. So there have been six pastors that are preaching. But talk about just the response of the local church and what this type of conference does mean to the members here. Yeah, last year was amazing because uh, members were like convinced and uh, motivated. They wanted to do something. Uh, always the question is what. How, how should we be involved in that? How can we do it? Um, so I, didn't, I think those, these conferences are, are like um, um, a push to the church. It's like uh, motivate them uh, to do it. But now we as pastors and leaders, we need to, to know how to continue that work. But the conferences are, are very useful to motivate the people, to convince the people to, to maybe, maybe from this conference, there will be a couple of families will say, I want, we want to adopt or something like that. And that's what I think these conferences are, are, are so useful. Since last year, the, our church decided to get uh, involved with um, an institution called FANA, uh, 
just volunteer to have time with the kids and and that's that was like the product of that conference so i'm praying to see what's the what will be the product of this conference uh because we want to get uh, a step further you know and talk a talk a little bit too about the other ministries of the church because this is a church that has been driven one to the proclamation of the gospel and the word completely and fully and expositionally, but also living out mercy and justice. And so this church isn't just about caring for widows and orphans, but caring for the poor and disenfranchised and taking the gospel. For instance, you have a work in Embalima. Talk about just some of the, the other works of the church to show justice and the gospel to the community. Yeah, right now it is, I think, Embalima. Embalima is a, a small town, a very poor town, uh, like, four hours from Bogota. Um, we went there just because one of our members had a brother there and they offered us a, a property. So we went there to see and that town received us like like their hope, you know? It's amazing when you go there, it's like these people are coming and they're interested in us. Nobody else is interested in us. So, uh, so we started a, a, a program there with with children, uh, having like uh, vacation time with children and evangelizing and now we are uh, hoping to send a planter there, a pastor there to plant a church. That's our goal. Uh, but yeah, that's maybe our, ma our main um, work with social justice. Yeah, and the Lord has, I know, used that to see even fruit in Embalima for the gospel. and. And it shows just the testimony of this church, like we said, that's willing to preach the gospel and be true to the gospel, but then also live it out. And so yesterday at the pastor's conference, you had the opportunity to, to preach from Deuteronomy chapter 10. Do you mind just giving an overview uh, of that sermon for our listeners? Because I know it was very impactful to myself and to others as we heard you deliver that message. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I wanted to, to tell pastors that uh, they needed to answer the question why to take care of orphans, mm. not just how. That is the like most common question, but the first question is why, because uh, the conviction that we have is that it is um, called from God to His people, and being the church, being the people of God, means to take care of the widow, the orphan, and the stranger. Um, so I showed them how uh, or why. It is uh, that's that, that that is our calling, and it is because who is God, who God is, His character. Second, because who we were before Christ, and then because who we are now after Christ. So uh, the text says that God's character is um, he, He's preoccupied with. For, with the orphans. He wants to take care of the widow and the stranger. So that's why we should do it. Then we were strangers before Christ. We were orphans before Christ and now we are adopted. And the third part was, is that our hearts have been circumcised. That text says, uh, Moses says to the people, uh, circumcise your heart and they couldn't do that. And that came with Christ, and now we are the covenant, new covenant people, and we have a circumcised heart. So that's why we should do it. Yeah. And I, I know that even as Dr. Rick and I were able to have your, your sermon translated uh, for us yesterday, we were just so encouraged. 
And, and the Lord has continually used you and Christian uh, and Hanar as well to preach this gospel. But you have an opportunity in the next couple of months to actually travel to Chicago uh, to be trained moral and expositional pa- preaching. Talk about that program and why that's so important for the teaching and training of pastors in Columbia. Well, yeah, uh, that program, well, it's a ministry called the Charles Simon Trust. Uh, they train pastors everywhere on the, in the world um, in expository preaching and they do workshops. It is very practical. That's the good thing of that ministry. People who attend the workshop really, they, they have to present a work of them and they will receive feedback. So it's, um, it's very useful. And now they are starting this program to be uh, fully um, immersed in the expository preaching training. So it is, it is for every pastor. I mean, a pastor who is 30 years old in, in ministry and the pastor who is just one year in ministry, both of them will be like uh, blessed with this program because it's just training. It's like a football player who needs training, constantly training, because you need to, to improve and to get better in preaching. You, you, you will never be done. So um, uh, that's, that's what uh, they are doing now. Yeah, and so... As a pastor here in Columbia, tell us, I guess, three things. First, how can people in the United States be praying for the church in Columbia? So the big church, how specifically can we be praying for this local church, Renaissance? And then from what you've seen over the last year, how can be people be praying for the orphan and the vulnerable in Columbia? Okay, um, the, the church in Columbia needs unity. And I think that's... Um, the first prayer request, I would say, uh, we need to, to, to be one church, to do things together, uh, especially those who have the gospel right, you know, because even though we have good theology, uh, that doesn't uh, assure uh, unity. So unity would be my pr- first prayer request, and also good seminaries. We, we need training. Uh, pastors here are like, without training, they just want to go and plant a church and they have passion for Christ, passion for the gospel, but they don't know how to preach, they don't know how to uh, pastor a church. Um, for this local church, well, uh, pray for us for wisdom because we really want to be involved in this uh, area of uh, taking care of the orphans. My, my dream is to see families in this church adopting uh, or, or serving as foster families, but uh, there's, uh, the, many people are afraid to do it, you know, and, and they don't know how to do it, and we need wisdom to, to, to guide these families. And regarding church planting, we need more, well, uh, well, more uh, healthy churches, and, and we need wisdom also to plant churches where should we plant and and uh, men called to do that mm. finally um, how to pray for the orphans here I, I think it's the same how, to pray that the church may get involved with the orphans uh, for example something that we see here is that many people want to adopt but they only want babies right. you know so uh, if the if they said to the family 
no, we can give you a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, they will say no. And that's because they're thinking just in their own need, but not in the need of the kid or, or their calling to, to take care of the orphan. So uh, maybe conviction also for the Christian church to get involved with uh, orphan care so that orphans may be blessed here in Colombia. And finally, brother, I, I know as we see even the fruit of this ministry over the last several years, or last year, and, and even to see this year, talking to families even this morning that are in the adoption process, that are looking to foster and are looking to get engaged, we are starting to see some of that fruit. Talk about why it's so encouraging to see the body of Christ here in Colombia take care of orphans instead of it just being a movement of the United States or of Europe. Hmm. Yeah, I think it is because uh, we we don't, as, as Colombians, we don't need to depend on the U.S. to do our what we are called to do. Uh, many churches depend on the U.S. to plant a church or to do a ministry. So it's encouraging to see uh, families just convicted by the word of God, uh, taking the decision to adopt even though they don't know if uh, they have the resources or not, but just because they know they have to do it by the word. And, and we don't know, we, we don't need uh, uh, like missionaries from the U.S. to, to, to do that, you know. So uh, it's like, I would say it's like uh, seeing a child going out from home and saying, okay, it's time you can be independent now. And that's how I, I see it. It's a good thing to see the, the Colombian church doing its work, our work, without depending on others. Amen. And the last thing I just want to ask, if you wouldn't mind for us, I think it's beautiful. If you would pray in your heart language, I know that there are families that will be praying for Renaissance after hearing this, uh, people they are going to be praying for you, but would you pray for families that are looking to adopt from Colombia, from the United States, or even here domestically? And would you just pray that the gospel would go forth to the children here in Colombia? Sure. So in Spanish, did yes, you say? Please. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Let's pray. Padre, gracias, gracias por que a través de tu hijo hemos sido adoptados y nosotros ahora tenemos ese gran llamado a adoptar a cuidar del huérfano, de la viuda, del extranjero. Uh, gracias por darnos ese, ese llamado y ese privilegio. Y ahora te ruego, Padre, que muevas a tu iglesia a hacerlo. Tú nos has dado tu espíritu, tu Hijo ha pagado por nosotros. Él ha vencido el pecado, Él ha vencido la muerte. Y ahora tenemos todo lo que necesitamos, todos los recursos para la vida y la piedad y para reflejar tu carácter y tu gloria al cuidar de huérfanos y de los más necesitados. Así que, Padre, te suplico que guíes a tu iglesia aquí en Colombia, en los Estados Unidos, en todo el mundo, para que realmente llevemos a cabo nuestra labor, nuestro llamado de mostrar tu santidad, mostrar tu compasión, mostrar tu misericordia a aquellos que no lo tienen. Padre, te doy gracias por estos hermanos que vienen a capacitarnos y a ayudarnos y te ruego que, que nos uses para la gloria de tu nombre y para la extensión de tu evangelio. Te pido esto en el nombre de nuestro Señor Jesucristo. Amén. Amén.
Well, brother, I thank you so much for your leadership and for your passion and for the way that you preach the gospel so faithfully each and every Sunday and, and, and to your congregation. And just for our listeners, uh, I know many of you cannot be here, and I, I wish more than anything that you could have the experience to be here at Renaissance. The, the feeling, I, and, and I told the congregation this morning, and it, it wasn't trite, but true, that of all my weight places I, I travel around the world, there are very few churches that I really do have this feeling of coming home to. And Renaissance is a place where, even though I haven't been here many times, I feel at home when I come here because of the sweet spirit of the saints. And so let's be praying for this church, uh, for these families that are called according to adopt and to foster. And let's be praying for these pastors, Pastor Nicholas and Pastor Christian and Pastor Hanar, as they faithfully serve the body here and preach the gospel. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, Herbie. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.